Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington here in the studio in lovely Broiling Dallas. Actually, it's a little bit nice today as we're taping on Tuesday. And joining us now from uh, Arizona, where they had either a haboob or a baboon uh, running through the streets of, uh, of Phoenix and knocking out the power grid, is our old pal Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. Uh, good morning, Kevin. How are you? Welcome to Trade Deadline Day. It's um, it's, it's a special day here in the lives of all baseball writers, executives, and um, fans everywhere. <laughs> I get a little choked up about it, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell. I think that's just the haboob that uh, got you choked up. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, yeah, we, we realize that you would like to get this over with, this trade deadline business, and uh, be able to move on with the business at hand. Of course, you know that we still have the non-waiver you know, trade deadline. Uh, this is the non-waiver trade line, uh, deadline, so uh, they can still be making trades after this. Uh, so do you, would you expect anything to happen after the deadline? Listen, Kevin, I'm just looking forward to getting right back into the heart of the race tonight. This team is is burning it up. Four wins in a row. Uh, You know, I I think that um, I don't even want to get into the the post-waiver trade deadline, but certainly there could be some guys that that are dealt then. I would think no major deals. Um, They've They've done the bulk of their heavy lifting uh, by getting by moving Cole Hamels, which was basically about just shedding a little bit of money. Um, uh, they got they got some mid level prospects, but that was more about moving on, agreeing to the Keller deal on on Monday night, and getting two players from Pittsburgh, one of whom was um, <clears throat> uh, 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 I'm sorry, Tyler Hearn of Royce City. Uh, power throwing lefty, uh, who is the number seven prospect in the Pirate system, um, and then they'll get a second player, a player to be named later that they'll agree to in the next couple weeks. That was more about actually the future and, and rebuilding. Hearn's got Hearn's got a future. He he is a big time prospect um, in the Pirates organization. He's going to go to at least Double A uh, and and be in the rotation there and. You know, with the, with the state of where the Rangers are pitching wise, he basically becomes the most advanced upper level prospect uh, pitching prospect in the system. So uh, that was the bulk of their heavy lifting, and they were only going to trade Kelly if they felt like they got some degree of a premium for him because the control factor was there. But uh, I think at the end of the day, they they realized that hey, they need guys who are going to be getting here in 2020 not guys who are going to be ready to be uh, free agents at that point. Now, let me ask you first, before we get into all that part of it, uh, with Taylor Hearn, uh, he was the number seven prospect in the in a, in a good pirate system. So where would you expect he will slot in with the Rangers? I mean, you, you just said he would be the most advanced upper level, but is he going to be end up being right now their third or fourth best prospect? Um, uh, I think, you know, I'm – 
as we as we go through here. I mean, I think he'd have to go into the top five for me. I I, I always kind of struggle with this whole idea of yeah, ranking these right. Well, how do you weigh projection versus accomplishment? And right. um, this is a guy at Double A. So to me, a guy who is at Double A and has made it this far, um, that's significant. As of right now, MLB Pipeline following the trade has him ranked as the number seven prospect also in the Rangers organization. Um, what's interesting about that is they slot him uh, just ahead of, le- of left-hander Joe Palumbo, just behind right-hander Jonathan Hernandez. And, and the two pitching prospects that are ahead of both of them are guys who are one guy who has yet to throw a professional pitch, and that's Cole Wynn, who's in, in Arizona and is, was the top pick in this year's draft and Hans Kraus, who's lighting it up at Spokane. So um, that's I, – I might make a case now that, that given Hearn's numbers at AA, um, I might put him ahead of Jonathan Hernandez because Hernandez just went there this year and he struggled a little bit at AA. Uh, but, yeah, right right there. And, and, and this ranking, I should also add, has Willie Calhoun still on the list. So if you take Calhoun – yeah. and move him into the major league, then for me, Hearn is probably right at the end of the top five. And he's the, he is the most accomplished upper-level pitcher in the system. Yeah. Uh, and, and as we know, you know, I, I, and our, our, our buddy and colleague, uh, Tim Kalashaw, the other day says he's not sure why you would trade a young uh, um, reliever like Kala, uh, 25 years old, and is an accomplished and already doing well. Uh, isn't that what you're trying to hold on to? I, I, on the other hand, don't have any problem with this deal at all. I, I think you know you're you're taking a risk here because from what I I I've never seen Taylor Hearn pitch, but from what I read, there's a little bit of risk in the fact that he's had an injury history. Uh, mechanics are maybe a little uh, off whack. There some days he looks great, and some days he doesn't look very good. Uh, so. Uh, but you, to me, this is an organization that needs to take a, a, a risk uh, as, with an upper end player. They've got enough, uh, as they, you know, as you and I have discussed before, with these younger guys, the guys at the A level ball. You know, who, who knows what these guys are going to do? Uh, and uh, and I think when you're 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 getting a guy here, it's at, as you said, playing double A and and putting up some numbers, you're getting a little better idea. But also, uh, you got to take into consideration a number of factors here with with Kella, and, and one being that you know he has struggled uh, uh, to pitch on back to back days when his when his uh, pitch count gets up a little bit. There's a little bit of an injury history there, um, and you've got Jose Leclerc uh, there, who I believe is ready to step in and, and be the closer, uh, at least on a team that's in the position that the Rangers are in right now. Uh, I, I frankly have more confidence in, in Leclerc than I do in Kella as a closer. And uh, on a team that's not going to be very good for the next couple of years, uh, do we re- do they really need to be loading up on the back end of the bullpen, or do they need to be acquiring talent for starters? They, they've shown that they can find uh, relievers where they've struggled is finding starters. I, listen, Kevin, I, I think that um – I don't know how I uh, entirely how I'd sum this up, except that this team is in a is in bad straits, and it needs it needs inventory. Um, and if you can trade a reliever and get a starter, um, especially given how much trouble the Rangers have had developing starters, I think that's essential. 
it, it's um, it, we, we've already been over this extensively in in five minutes of a podcast. But there's nobody at Double A that you would consider a legitimate prospect. So uh, I, I feel like in in doing these kinds of things, it's unfortunate that what the Rangers are trying to do is draft and develop their own guys, and they just traded away a guy who's probably been their dra- their best drafted and developed star- uh, pitching prospect over the last five years. But you have to look three years down the road. This team is not going to be competitive next year. Uh, closer for that team is, is a luxury. Um, I don't really care if Jose Leclerc becomes this team's closer in the short term because I, I don't know where he's going to be in three years. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me next year if the Rangers deal him too. Because as we see, you know, uh, relief, everybody needs relief help. Relief help is, is fickle from year to year. And um, when and if the Rangers get back to a point where they have restocked the farm system and they are they are churning out prospects who are who are able to pitch, they'll define roles at that point in time. And if they don't, they'll be able to go out and and uh, obtain um, obtain them. I don't know that I would use the term churning out pitching prospects. Nobody churns out pitching prospects. And I, I was, I was uh, talking to this, uh, about this with uh, uh, a buddy of mine that has a radio station down in, uh, in Bryan College Station, and, uh, Chip Howard, the other day. And, um, and, and uh, you know, we brought up the old point about, you know, the, the two guys who remain the best pitching prospects the Rangers have ever developed were, of course, Kevin Brown and Kenny Rogers. Um, and, and, and I said, you know, it wouldn't hurt that they could, you wouldn't think it'd be that hard to develop, uh, one a decade. And, and Chip laughed when I said that. And then I, then I said, you know, here's the thing about that. If you develop one really good pitching prospect a decade, a starter, one a decade, well, that's usually going to put you in pretty good stead if you keep him. I mean, if you, if you develop that guy and can keep him and he's that level, if he's a Kenny Rogers or a Kevin Brown and you're doing that once every 10 years, well, you're going to keep yourself at least in top-end starters at that rate. And I'm not talking about guys who are the back end of the rotation. I'm just talking about that. And that is, to me, the one thing about all this uh, with the Rangers, and I think this is what John Daniels is doing now, is that he's trying to uh, – I think he's moved into another stage of his career as a general manager – and uh, as far as lessons learned. And I think that what he thinks now is that, you know what, uh, I'm not giving up uh, so many of these pitching prospects. I'm going, to, I'm going to accumulate as many of these as I can in the hopes that there are one or two of these guys who's going to make it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I, I think that, that if you go, back, you go back to 2012, 13, really all the way through, through the – if you go from – uh, from 2012 through 2016, as this team chased that elusive World Series that they came so close, um, uh, uh, so close to um, coming, um, they peeled off layer after layer of young talent, particularly pitching talent. Some of those guys have gone on to be serviceable major leaguers. None of them have gone on to be. Uh, outstanding major leaguers. Um, Kyle Hendricks had an outstanding uh, season, but I don't think that you would sit here and say, look, he's a number one or a number two. But the point of the matter is they had churned uh, up an awful lot of good pitching prospects, and then they they peeled them all off. 
and so now what they've got to do is is, is collect them again. And um, uh, it is uh, it is imperative now that you know. I, I hope I hope the second guy in the Pirates deal. I hope the second guy in um, in the Hamels deal is a pitcher. Uh, I, they need as much pitching as they possibly can get. This is an organization right now that is thin at some positions in, in on, on the field in the minor league system, but pitching is inventory. And if you solve this pitching issue, if you get yourself to a position where you have legitimate pitchers, um, you are going to be uh, you're going to be in a position of strength whenever you need to make other deals or whenever you are in contention. All right. Now, uh, speaking of other, well, I guess we should say this. Uh, as as we noted, uh, this is early on Tuesday before the three p.m. deadline. Um, uh, at this point, you would expect that that Jake Diekman is going somewhere, wouldn't you? I would think so. I think it's imperative for the Rangers dealing with the left-handed situational guy right now, who's about to be a free agent. And even if you don't get a large return, you just need to train. Uh, you need to trade him. He looked pretty good in that closer role last night. He did. A, he did a nice job. I think Jake is also really. Jake is in a tough spot right now. He, um, his wife uh, Amanda is pregnant. She's six months pregnant. Um, he's sitting here. He he's not the kind of guy who likes to go through this um, this this grinder of the trade deadline. Um, and being rumored to go different places and, and the added stress of having a pregnant wife and, and the possibility of something happening where he's traded um, uh, and, and they've got she's got to up and move kind of move things while he's in a different city, I think it's really stressed him out. So it was good to see him come out there last night and, and really uh, have a nice, clean inning. Yeah, he did that. Uh, I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about, and we've certainly talked about jerks and profile a lot, and a lot of these young guys we've talked about, obviously. But as we have tried to figure out who and what uh, Jerkson is, uh, and and we talked about what his OPS was earlier in the season, well, now uh, we're getting you know uh, toward uh, uh, August, uh, and uh, Jerkson's numbers look a lot better. Uh, and you know, it seems like he has, uh, even embraced this role that he's had of, of being that utility player. They, they've always wanted him to be. I don't, I don't know if embrace is the right word. I would say that he is, uh, at least resigned himself to it in, in a way that he, that he did not before. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering now if, if in some ways that some of the things that have happened are happening this season. We've seen Ruggie Odor certainly rebound. He's playing the best baseball that I think I've ever seen him play as a Ranger. Uh, we have seen uh, Profar really improve himself. We've seen Connor Falefa emerge as a as a true super sub. Um, we we have not seen uh, you know advancement from Joey Gallo, and certainly now Nomar Mazar is hurt, so we you know uh, he's not getting to. To, to show anything at the moment. But um, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I, I'm seeing some things here that are uh, beneficial to this club and certainly uh, going forward because now in the offseason, teams have seen something from Jerickson Profar now, and I wonder if, if he has improved his value enough to, to bring some kind of return. He's improved his value. I think the Rangers should trade him. I don't know that there is a package out there in the last, couple hours here um to make it worth it 
but he's also a guy, you know, that you could trade this offseason uh, who would still have two years of control uh, for, for another team. I don't know that he's, he's the kind of guy that, in his role at the deadline, he's not the kind of guy who's going to be viewed as a difference maker. No. Um, there's not a, a, a standout tool there. The, the best you can say about him is he plays a lot of different positions. He's pretty, um, he's got some, some good baseball aptitude, but it's not like, uh, you know, the Braves traded for Adam Duvall yesterday and he's got awful numbers, but there's, there's, there's like identifiable tools there. Um, uh, those are the kinds of things that I think people are looking for. Um, I, I think it's very possible that the Rangers deal him this off season. If somebody comes to him, if somebody comes to them and presents them a legitimate deal, I just don't see what the role is for him going forward, unless by some chance Elvis Andrus opts out, and I don't think that's a realistic uh, scenario this year. No, I, I don't either. I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't want to get too straight, too far off topic here, but you know, talking about uh, second baseman who got traded, our your old buddy uh, Ian Kensler got traded to the Red Sox, and I was I'm surprised by that move. Simply because when Dustin Pedroia comes back, where, where does Ian play then? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the Red Sox will have to move some guys around constantly, and, and I don't know what the future really holds for Pedroia uh, the rest of this year. Um, but the Red Sox were in a situation where they had, they really had, you know, uh, they could try and fill a need at, at, um, at second base uh, in Pedroia's absence, or they could try and do something at third base, which might have uh, led them to Adrian Beltre. And at some point in time, there was some talk because Rafael Devers is out for a while, and they went with Kinsler. The interesting thing to me that I find is that Pedroia basically supplanted Ian at Arizona State and forced forced Ian to leave Arizona State. That's right. He was a college freshman. Forgot about that. And so now here it is. Uh, 15 years later, Ian's kind of replacing Pedroia at second base. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for him. Uh, I, I'm wondering now, uh, as as the Rangers get past the deadline, uh, th- and they've just been all over the map here the last couple of weeks. They've been just truly horrible. Uh, that that one weekend, and as you wrote, that they they certainly hit bottom. Uh, the bullpen just. Gave up all kinds of uh, of leads and just unthinkable things and historically uh, bad performances uh, by the bullpen at, at uh, in at least one occasion. Uh, and then they've rebounded by sweeping the Astros. Now the Astros don't have uh, Altuve and they're out uh, Carlos Correa, but they were still facing some pretty good pitchers uh, there in Houston. And uh, and then they they sweep them. With a, a lineup that I believe had seven guys in it uh, on Sunday who were under twenty-five, is that is that not correct? Um, yeah, but I think that you know, with pretty much the days that if you if you take Chew and Beltre out of this lineup, you know, it's it, they're all under twenty-five. So um, yeah. it, it's that's not too difficult to do, right? No, it's not not for this team, and I, and I and I do think that these are things. Uh, 
you know, if you're looking for the upside of this season, which has been an awful season, it's this, that these guys are, uh, you know, they, they haven't quit. Uh, they're, they're still, they still do some stupid things at times and get themselves in trouble at times. But they're also playing very hard. It's, as I mentioned a while ago, Odor is playing at a level I, I've never seen him play all around, offensively and defensively. He's just been terrific on, uh, on both sides. Uh, but also Profar. Uh, the other day when he got, you know, <laughs> when he got his, his face stepped on, uh, you know, he was making plays on the bases that he's never done that. He's never been a good base runner, and and yet he was making plays and doing things uh, to help uh, win that ball game as well. Uh, it, it just seems a little bit like maybe these guys are playing. Uh, maybe the, the 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 switch has been flipped on on a few of them. Listen, I think the big the big place where the switch has been flipped is that Rugnet Odor is a changed player. He's a dramatically different player. I think that gives the lineup a different look. Um, I think that uh, it was inevitable that, that Carlos Tochi played a little bit better than we had seen in the first couple months of the year. When if he played at all, he was a non you know he was a non entity. Um, I think your point on, on Profar is is really good in that. The more he's played, I think the more confident he looks on the bases. And I thought last night there were a couple times when I saw him running that I thought he really he did run much better than I had seen him in the past. Uh, so I think the upside of this is that these guys have finally gotten some playing time. I think they've developed some confidence along the way with that. I think the guy that has gotten overlooked a little bit, we all love Isaiah Kiner Falefa and the way he um, the way he plays and the versatility um, and we always root for the little guy and he's certainly been a, a, a great story this year but I'm really impressed with Ronald Guzman he's a he's he's an above average defender at first base he, he made a you know a hundred and I don't even know what the uh, a full out split um, with a six seven frame uh, the other day in Houston. Uh, I think he's got a really good approach with two strikes. Uh, he has been, for me, uh, if you want to look for a guy who has taken taken advantage of an opportunity and made the most of it, I think Ronald Guzman is that guy this year. He's, he's pretty much established himself to say, hey, this is the guy who's going to play first base, and Joey Gallo is going to move to the outfield because of it. Speaking of Joey Gallo, uh, we've talked about a lot of people getting traded, and now there just seems to be some momentum building that, yeah, maybe they maybe they put Gallo in one of these packages. What do you think about that? Uh, there have been teams contact them about Gallo, but I, I and the Rangers have listened because I think it's in, incumbent upon the Rangers to listen. But Gallo, more so than Kella, there's more control with Gallo than there was with Kella. Um, and there's there's a potential there with Gallo that is is certainly unique, and and I don't think the Rangers can let the the frustrations of the strikeouts over the season really force them to make a trade for trade's sake. If somebody wants to come to Joey to them and pay them a premium for Joey Gallo at this point in time, that's going to really net them a package of of, of advanced level prospects. Then it's the kind of thing the Rangers have to have to consider, and they have to consider it. They'd have to consider it with Mazar if he was on the field. But it's it's just where they are. They, you know, you you look at this roster, and 
guys who have a year or more service time are eligible for free agency, I think, after 2022. And the very real possibility is that come 2022, that might be about the time this team is, 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 is getting things together. And so if you were to deal them, reel in more prospects, and, and kind of uh, recalibrate things, perhaps you push back your, your timeline even another year, but then you've got guys who are all lined up for for a long continuous run, and I think that's what the Rangers would like to do. Is they they don't want to they don't want to sit here and hope that hey in 2020 they'll have a good season, uh, and then they'll be able to to put together some pieces with some of their young players and, and make a playoff run. But then in 2022 they'll be looking at again uh, we've hit rock bottom. They want to reestablish themselves as a long-term threat in the American League. And I think that right now, based on where the American League West is, based on what looks like a top-heavy league for the next couple of years, I think it's a smart business. And I think that's ultimately why John Daniels pulled the trigger on Keone Kella when he did, um, because they need, to, they need to think much more about the long-term future than 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 what we would consider the typical you know windows of control. He, he said something late last night when when he did talk when John talked that the difference in value in players uh, as they get closer to free agency is more stark now than it ever has been before. And so trading a guy like Keller who had two plus years of control, and if you went to a guy if you ended up trading a guy like Gallo right now, I think that's four plus years of control. There's going to be some value in that alone. There's they got more for Keone Keller than they were going to get for Cole Hamels. That's for sure. Well, there's no question about that, and and that's kind of what we figured would happen too. Though um, I, I'll say this about the about Joey Gallo. You know, it, it troubles me that uh, he he struggles so much with breaking pitches. I don't know why anybody would throw him a fastball anymore. Uh, you th- you throw him a breaking ball down and in, and he just flails away at it uh and yeah there's got there's got to be better pitch recognition there and he's acknowledged that he's seeing more breaking balls than he did last year and i think the last time i checked he was about 36 percent breaking balls whereas last year he saw about 30 percent breaking balls um he's got to he's got to do better on pitch recognition there um uh and i don't care how unique a talent he is power-wise uh, there may be a lot of strikeouts there, but you can't simply be um, a non-factor against one of a pitcher's usual assortment of three pitches. You, you just can't. No, you can't. And, and having said that, though, uh, to me, there's there's no hurry uh, on, on Joy Gallo either. I, I think there's still the potential of the upside there um, of, of what he might be able to do. And, and at this point, to me, whether you wait, whether you traded him this year or next year, he's hitting 187 now. He's not going. Well, that's a, you know, uh, that's the point, Kevin. Anybody who would trade for him right now is trying to cherry pick him at a point in time when the value would be low, and the Rangers are not going to trade him unless somebody's going to, in, unless somebody's going to be valuing him at what the Rangers be, feel is the apex of his, his ability. And so I, that, I just don't see that happening. There have been teams checking in. The Rangers have listened. But I, I just don't see how it matches up for this team to make a trade um, now. Maybe again they revisit it during the winter time. Um, I would still think that come the winter time, 
Mazar is the kind of guy who's more likely to bring you a big a big haul. And if you think about it, if you think about the idea of of where does Willie Calhoun profile at best with this team? It is a very average to below average defensive left fielder, but as a hitting left fielder, we've seen Joey play a few games in right field. He's a good right fielder with an above average arm, and if we've had a critique on Mazar, it's been his defense in, in right field. So, you know, I think they might have some possibilities there to kind of pick between Gallo and Mazar and see who's got who's got the bigger offer. And, and I think I think Mazara Mazara becomes arbitration eligible after this year, and Joey does not become arbitration eligible until after next year. So there's one year less service time with uh, with Mazara. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to th- to think about, and these were guys that uh, I don't think that most fans would have thought going into this season. Okay, yeah, okay, they're not going to be very good, uh, and uh, we're going to see the young guys uh, play and develop. And I don't, I don't think that most fans would have thought that this meant though the the possibility that you're that you're going to end up losing a guy like Nomar Mazar. They, I think, they felt like that he was going to be one of the cornerstones of this team going forward. Um, and and I and I'm like you, I. There, there's been steady progression in his game from year to year, but he's not taking leaps. I mean, these, you know, his, his numbers go up a little bit every year. Uh, and, and, and does that continue? Does he, does he make that big leap all of a sudden, or is he going to end up just being a guy who's, you know, going to have an OPS around uh, 800 and, and, uh, and hit, you know, 20 home runs and, and drive it. You know, now he's, he, he has been driving in a lot of runs, but of course he's also been batting in, the part of the lineup that's going to allow him to drive in some runs. So, uh, I, I, you know, we, we've certainly seen Bill James say that he thinks he's the next Miguel Cabrera. So, uh, I mean, where do you, where do you think he's going to fit in long-term? Um, I, it's a good question. You know, I, I, I think if you look at Mazar's numbers for the first three years, they've been remarkably similar. Um, both, uh, from batting average across the bo- across the board in his slash line categories, and I-, I think this year you would have hoped to see him him push above 800. I think he's still got a chance for that, but the the, the likelihood is he's going to be out. I would guess about two more weeks, and there's no reason to rush him back from the thumb injury at this no. point. But he has a serious he has a serious strain of that thumb ligament, and. So who knows if he comes back in mid-August? Is it going to take him some time to find his timing again? Uh, what season going to end up looking like? I, I I feel like Mazzara is a good player. I feel like he's got really good abilities. Um, he has not taken that giant leap forward that you would hope to see. On the other hand, um, he's twenty-three. You know, right. he won't turn 24 until next April. Um, he's a he's a full year younger than than Joey Gallo, almost I think a year and a half younger than Joey Gallo. He's younger than than Rugnet Odor. Um, there's still a lot of time for this guy to to develop, but with the Rangers and where they are, the time clock is 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 going to be of so much importance, especially with that gap with that caveat that John mentioned yesterday that you know we are seeing a, a big difference in value among among trade partners for service time so 
you may have to consider that, hey, this guy's going to have three years of service after this year, but by God, somebody's paying us a, a king's ransom. Um, we need to give up on that. And it's unfortunate for the Rangers um, because they, you know, Mazzaro is part of their biggest international um, Latin American teenage free agent class, uh, represented part of a, a, a huge investment there. Um, and they thought that that, that, that class was going to be the centerpiece of, of restocking this organization and turning it into uh, a dynastic organization. Um, and what we've seen is you can't do it only one way. They haven't really come up with guys through the draft, particularly pitchers who have contributed in the big league at the big league level. They found themselves devoid of pitching this year, and regardless of what they had in terms of, of potential young talent among the hitters uh, and young established big leaguers among the hitters, they still are woefully thin at pitcher. Their 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 talent at pitching has is by and large still at low class A and below. And that means that this is going to be for these guys to uh, matriculate up through the system, graduate, and be able to contribute. And, and to finish these guys off properly, you're still looking at a two- and three-year process in a lot, for a lot of guys. You know, when they matriculate and graduate, uh, is there an actual ceremony? Uh, what the Rangers would like the ceremony to be is, is a World Series parade at some point. Wow. Evan, uh, now we, we're talking about where they're going to be to be competitive. I don't think we need to be talking about World Series parades. Um, I think that's a little... Well, that, yeah, Kevin, you know, that remains the ultimate, that remains the ultimate goal. And um, it's... Uh, it's... It, I guess the only thing I can I can say is, relatively speaking, you know, it's, it's a long way away again. You know, I read something just the other day. I don't, I don't remember who it was that said this. is some young general manager, and he said that he got some some advice from uh, from the Tigers. Was it Bill LaHoy? Is that how you pronounced his name? How did you, how do we who? pronounce that? He was with the Tigers. Uh, La, is it LaHoy? La, you know, L A J O I E. I believe, how you, I believe that's Bill Lajoie. He's dead now. He is dead. Lajoie, is that how he pronounced it? Bill Lajoie, yeah. Wow. Wow. Anyway, he said... Well, I, I, I take that back. I, I've heard it pronounced Lajoie, too, uh, but I always go back to... Um, Your French roots. Well, no, I always go back to... The etymology of baseball names for me always reverts to the first way I ever heard it, and... So it was, so was Nap Lajoy, so therefore it'll be Bill Lajoy. Okay. Well, whatever he whatever he pronounced his name, God bless his soul. Uh, he uh, he said we don't pay players to to play. We play we pay them to win, uh, and which is which is a little a little harsh. Uh, but uh, um, and, I, and I'm not even sure where I stand on that. I don't know. I don't know. When, it seems to me when you say that. That you're putting it all on the players, uh, and it's and it's not on management to put them in a position to win. Uh, I believe it's uh, you're you're paying. You know, you can say the same thing about general managers. You're not you're not paid to put together a, a team. You're paid to to build a winning team. Uh, so, uh, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to me to see how this organization responds to that uh, that charge. Now, this isn't a this is a clearly different time for John Daniels. Um, you know, before 
he was always trying to get the team over the hump. Uh, and now he's now the hump is way out in front of the Rangers. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how he handles this. You know, I, I think that some people kind of like that. They almost prefer it. You know, I think there's in in some ways, even though fans react poorly to it uh, and and no one wants to watch that. When when they know you're not going to win, they grumble a lot. Uh, at, at least they they got an idea that you know these are what the expectations are. Uh, I, I'll be interested to see how how John reacts to all that. Yeah, you know, I, you go back to 2007. I think they made a really good evaluation on where the trade market was, and they realized and, and they capitalized on a time when um, trading a guy with with anything more than rental service time left uh, was very valuable, and they turned they turned that trade into a, a franchise-building trade. Um, I don't know that you can ever expect to get uh, another major league starter, an all-star shortstop, uh, a rookie of the year, um, and then a catcher who didn't really develop in the Ranger system but who had a legitimate big league career. It's hard to get four major league contributors out of a trade the way the Rangers did. Um, but they do feel on their evaluation end, um, I think they've got an idea of where value is and, and, and where the market is. And that may make them uh, much more active this winter in looking to exploit that and try and get ahead of the curve there a little bit. And if it does accelerate the rebuild, if it does retool the organization, then uh, they will be ahead. I don't think that John... I don't think John in any way just uh, is a is a terribly reactive GM. I think he tries to be proactive. I think his guys try to be proactive. I think they look uh, not necessarily following the lead of others and say, "Okay, we got to be we we got to be an all analytics organization." I think they look for other places where they can create um, uh, market advantages, and and I think that's what the uh, uh, I think that's what they're trying to do here with with how they're surveying this trade market and potentially the winter trade market. Evan, you know, sitting in front of me is your little whiteboard with your nine points from our summer hodgepodge uh, that we did, uh, summer hodgepodge podcast that we did uh, uh, several weeks ago. And number nine on there was the Mr. Rogers doc, Will You See It? Well, I have seen the Mr. Rogers documentary, and uh, I want to tell you, I thought it was very good. I'm glad to hear that, Kevin. Did you see it? No, Kevin. I haven't seen a movie in God knows how long. You know, what are you doing during the day when you're on the road? Um, well, one day a week I'm doing the podcast. One day a week I'm doing the uh, newsletter. One day a week I'm doing the mailbag. Uh, usually one day a week I'm in transit. Um, and then there's probably a game day in there, some a day game somewhere in the, along the line. So, so what you're saying I, is you're just goofing off mostly. Mostly, mostly, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. that's what I thought. Um, okay, uh, well, you should go see it. I, I didn't think it was great. I thought it was good. Uh, so uh, anyway, that that uh, that's we got that going, and and I have tried to make some advances. I wanted you to know about our RV trip, and and I I'm I'm running into some resistance uh, on this end. Is all I can say. So what we need is for a groundswell of public opinion flooding the Dallas Morning News and our sports editor Gary Level to make that happen. Yeah, I'm afraid we're we're going to run into that resistance this year. I um, 
it's unfortunate, but I think we're going to have to really present a, uh, uh, we can't just um, present a, uh, a good idea. I think we've got to, we've got to make like a, we need a PowerPoint and we need um, slides and graphics and, and things like that. Well, we need to, so not, what you're saying is we need to incorporate somebody else into this to help us out. Somebody much smarter than you and I. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't take much. So if you're listening and you've got some PowerPoint skills and you'd like to see uh, Evan and Kevin on the road in an RV uh, coming to your college town uh, and uh, and uh, putting together a podcast and a little restaurant review and talking to some of the uh, some of the big names uh, from your school. Give us a give us a call or or send us an email, shoot us an email or, or even a tweet and uh, and we'll uh, we'll get back with you on that. Evan, I think we're gonna have to go here. Channel Five is uh, butting in here, so I think our, our time is up. Uh, we'll be talking to you later, and I'll be talking to you later today to figure out you know what the Rangers are doing and uh, going forward and here on the on the actual trade deadline, right up to the minute. Uh, you're up to minute the coverage. That sounds great, Kevin. I'm going to go right back to my up-to-the-minute coverage right now. <laughs> I appreciate that. There he goes, Evan Grant, uh, beleaguered, battered, uh, belittled, uh, been everything else as well. Uh, and uh, we appreciate him taking the time coming in here. And Robert Wolanski has just wandered in uh, to do his little Channel 5 spot. So uh, from uh, we also had David Moore earlier talking about the Cowboys uh, in training camp, and now we've had Evan Grant talking about uh, the Rangers up to the trade deadline. So that about covers it for us this week. Uh, from everybody in here to everybody out there, thank you. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.